Closer Look is a public affairs presentation. Views and opinions of the guests don't always reflect the views of the ministry, and some topics aren't suitable for children. K-Love is committed to community. Closer Look continues with a look at local agencies, events, and issues. Hi, I'm Billy Branham. Welcome to Closer Look. Children across the country are developing health issues like obesity and type 2 diabetes. Educating kids and their families about eating healthier has been proven to make a difference, and fruits and vegetables play an important role. Joining me today is Amber Stott, founder and CEO of the Food Literacy Center. Thanks so much for your time, Amber. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Tell us about the Food Literacy Center and its purpose. Sure. Our mission is simple. It's to inspire kids to eat their vegetables. And we do this by going into low-income elementary schools, and we teach a hands-on cooking and nutrition class during after-school programs. And how did you find the schools that you're involved in? We started in one school in first program launch in 2012. And from there, um, people started hearing about us. And we actually just started getting calls from schools. And now we can't keep up. <laughs> We're in 12 schools a year. And we have a waiting list um, because people... Uh, really like what we're doing. The teachers see the change in the kids and we see it. Um, you know, we come into schools where kids have never seen foods like broccoli or pears before. And, you know, within a few weeks, they're eating everything from uh, rainbow carrots to watermelon radishes to cactus. And it's really wonderful to see them turn into food adventurers. Okay, Amber, I'm a parent and I know sometimes it can be really hard for those kids to be introduced to something new or we get, ew, that looks gross. Or, so what's the secret there to get them to try something new? Well, we have a set of broccoli boundaries and radish routines. And um, you brought up one, and it is very common when kids see a new thing that they say, ew, and gross. And so we have a rule, a broccoli boundary, and that is don't yuck my yum. Because the food that you don't like might be somebody else's very favorite thing, and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And so we just say politely, don't yuck my yum. You can just say no thank you. And um, we, because peer pressure is such a big thing with little kids, if one kid says, ew, gross, it ripples. But if one kid is brave enough to politely take the bite, that ripples. And so when we create some of these boundaries that set this very healthy and uh, environment where kids are open to exploring, um, we see their attitude shift pretty quickly. And the kids actually tell us that one of their very favorite things about food literacy class is that they get to taste new foods. Hmm. How did the idea for this program start? Uh, I was um, working in a nonprofit. I've worked there my whole career for two decades, and um, I started to become more educated about our broken food system, and I wanted to do something about it because it was making me mad. I was seeing these, you know, increasing rates of childhood obesity and, um, you know, increasing rates of um, childhood hunger and food insecurity, and I know how to cook, and I wondered if that could fill a gap. And so I interviewed other nonprofits like the Food Bank and said, you know, would this be a helpful type of program? And they said, oh, my gosh, we could really use it because at the time they were shifting their program to kind of remove more junk food from their shelves and offer more fresh produce. 
but they were finding that families weren't taking it because they didn't quite know what to do with something like a raw eggplant. And so by introducing these foods to kids when they're younger and helping them develop really healthy habits, um, the, the hope was that they would go home and show these recipes to their family and, and therefore begin eating more healthy with their family. And that's in fact, what we're finding is that these kids go home and they say, oh, I learned to make this cactus salsa today. Can we make it? And the parents are like, oh my gosh, here's a vegetable my kid will actually eat. And they get excited to go in and make that recipe together. That's great. Has it changed since you got it started? Has this program morphed at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, we didn't start off with a set of broccoli boundaries and radish routines. We had, you know, ideas that we would throw out there and try that maybe one parent had used or one aunt had used and it had worked with their kid. And over time, we would see things that uh, one teacher would try. And if other teachers tried it, they would get the same result. And over time, we we have a handful of things that when we when we do them, over and over, we get the same results. And so, um, yeah, so we've developed essentially a strong methodology as well as our curriculum, our recipes, um, you know, our training. Um, and so we can, we now know how to replicate success over and over. This is Closer Look. I'm Billy Branham talking with Amber Stott with Food Literacy Center about how the program teaches kids healthy eating habits. You sort of touched on your background. Can you give me more about how qualified you are to to handle this program? Sure. Yeah. So um, I have always worked in the nonprofit sector in the management side, and I've worked in a lot of social service nonprofits. And so when I was starting the nonprofit, um, I actually thought that our food movement at the time was unapproachable because it kind of felt uh, exclusive to those who could access it. And in social services, we do a thing where if, for example, you are leaving your abusive partner, we don't berate you for your poor choice in boyfriend, but instead we highlight the positive choices that you've made. So we might say, you know, you were very brave for, for making that decision. And, and in food, instead of celebrating people for doing the right thing, we often shame them for eating the wrong foods. And I thought, what if we take that social service approach to how we approach eating. And so what we do is we celebrate our kids over and over again when they make healthy choices, but we don't shame them because these are food insecure kids. We don't know what they have in their fridge at home and it might be the only food they have. So we don't want them to feel bad about eating food they do have access to. But what we do wanna do is get them excited about adding fruits and vegetables to their diet. And so by taking this approach, um, you know, kids get really excited. We have a lot of fun and we bring a lot of joy. So yeah. And then, uh, as far as other skills that maybe I didn't have, um, I surround myself with experts. So, you know, I had a friend of mine who was an after school director who helped me build our curriculum. I brought somebody in that had a nutrition master's degree. And so, um, you know, by adding experts around me together, uh, we had, we had this force of knowledge to be able to build what's today a really thriving program. And do you have any stats maybe on why healthy eating is so vital to kids to, to learn early on? 
Absolutely. Um, There is a crisis in America and our kids are suffering from their diets. Uh, In Sacramento alone, we have a 40% childhood obesity rate. One in three kids, yeah, it's um, quite high. One in three kids has type 2 diabetes. Uh, All of these are preventable if we eat our vegetables, but only 4% of kids are protecting their health by doing so. And so it's critical that we reach kids at a very early age before they've developed bad habits um, to help them develop good ones because eating those healthy fruits and vegetables will protect kids from developing these diet-related diseases, and that means that they can better focus in class, they can, you know, have more success in school, uh, and and simply sets them up for a healthier future. Absolutely. And our city's known as America's Farm to Fork Capital. Has it helped this program in any way? Absolutely. Um, Food Literacy Center was starting the Farm to Fork effort through Visit Sacramento was just beginning, and we certainly... Um, we're able to see a bigger shift in our community in terms of people caring about these issues. And suddenly there was a giant spotlight on this type of work. And so, you know, what had sort of been happening in the shadows quietly in school, suddenly um, people cared about and wanted to learn more about. And so we've been very grateful for that program because um, it sort of helped elevate the message about the need and they've helped to give us a platform to talk about our solution and we've met amazing chefs who've been partners and um yeah it's absolutely helped us to increase the number of people who know about us and and want to help and i'm sure you've heard or seen successes come out of the food literacy center can you share one or two stories with us Yeah, the number that is most impressive to me. So now that we're next year, we celebrate our 10 year anniversary. We've been in some of our schools for, you know, six plus years. And in those schools, there is a culture of kids being excited to try new foods and eat their vegetables. And so we actually... Um, take data every single day in our class um, and we track whether or not kids taste a new vegetable. And in in some of our schools this past semester, we had a hundred percent of the kids eating a new vegetable every week. That is great. It's been exciting. And, you know, the need for this program is is definitely quite high. It's a uh, it, uh, Sacramento City Unified School District is a low income school district. There's a lot of food insecurity in that district. And so being able to, you know, turn the kids attitudes toward and enthusiasm for fruits and vegetables, the school district actually does have a salad bar on offer every day at lunch. So they actually tell us they see the kids in the schools where we have food literacy classes. They see them eating a wider variety and taking more foods off the salad bar. That's amazing. It seems to be the key is to just introduce it uh, and that will maybe get them a taste to try even more. Absolutely. Offering kids repeatedly, it can take kids 10 to 15 tastes before they decide they like something. So I think of this, a common mistake that gets made with adults is that um, we'll offer a kid a bell pepper and they will say they don't like it. And then we will decide they don't like bell peppers. And we will say that to them. You don't like bell peppers. Well, actually, they didn't like that bell pepper. Or maybe they didn't like the way it was prepared. Or maybe on that day they were in a mood. So repeatedly showing them and offering them those same vegetables and not defining them by 
saying, oh, you don't eat that or I know you don't like that. Let them explore over and over and over again. We've had kids who tell us emphatically that they don't eat X, Y, Z. And by the end of our program, they're eating everything. <laughs> That's so fulfilling, I'm sure. It's a lot of fun. We, we, we have great jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're listening to Closer Look. I'm Billy Branham talking with Amber Stott. And we're discussing how Food Literacy Center guides children to a healthier lifestyle. Now, do you know of any other places or cities doing something similar? Yeah, definitely. Um, and in fact, we're seeing things that are bubbling up a little bit more, you know, and sometimes these programs start with an enthusiastic parent who maybe gets a cooking class or a garden going in one school. Um, but there are nonprofits. In fact, we partner with many around the state that are um, doing great work and, and we collaborate. We, we train each other. We share resources sources with each other. Um, there's Sage Garden Project in San Diego. They're doing amazing work. Um, you have Edible Schoolyard in Berkeley, um, Alice Waters Program. And there are, you know, little programs here and there. And um, it's it's really exciting to see uh, that, you know, there's, there's kind of a movement building. Now, there might be some challenges you face bringing this program to schools. Have you run into any of course. I mean, um, sometimes we find a school and um, for whatever reason, the adults aren't enthusiastic. And, you know, we really rely on our nonprofit partners, the after school providers, the principals. They they help make our program a success by even though our program is free, they're not paying for it. Um, you know, we have to collaborate with them to get space in the school and to, uh, you know, make sure that the kids arrive on time and that they've washed their hands and so every once in a while, you you come across a school where they're, you know, not as, as excited. Maybe they don't love their vegetables. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for the most part, uh, that's pretty rare. And, you know, I would say the biggest challenges are really around um, – being able to fund the program because there are so many schools who want us um, in their school and we just simply can't get there because, uh, like I said, we're paying for our program through donations and we don't charge at the schools anything because sometimes um, that is the roadblock from somebody choosing to invest in this program or not. And so we, we take away that that barrier. It's like, we're not asking you to invest. We simply want you to bring the kids to the cafeteria. <laughs> so, um, so that has removed a lot of barriers and um, allowed us to reach a lot more kids. Now, if somebody listening wanted to get involved in the program, maybe volunteer or help out, is that a possibility? Absolutely. We are always looking for volunteers. We are a nonprofit serving 12 schools a year with five staff. So we are very small and grassroots. And so we rely on volunteers to help with office work, to um, help us in the classroom, uh, you name it. We, we need help. And of course, we need donations as well. And all of that information, the donate button, the volunteer application is on our website at foodliteracycenter.org. Well, tell us about Floyd Farms. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, so for more than five years now, we have been working on a very important partnership with the city of Sacramento, the mill at Broadway and Sac City Unified School District. And we broke ground last September. And by the end of this year, we'll be moving in to um, essentially a 5,000 square foot cooking school located on 2.5 acres of gardens at Leotata Floyd Elementary School. And this site is owned by the school district. 
we will move our nonprofit headquarters there. And that's where we will be running our free programming from. That's exciting. It's very exciting. It will allow us to be able to serve a lot more children. Right now, we um, we just don't have an office space. We have a tiny house that we rent, and we take all of our our programs out to uh, various schools into their after school program. So we're kind of like pop up caterers. Only the kids do the cooking. Um, so we'll be able to continue those programs, but we'll, we will be able to do more of them because now we'll have our own walk-in cold storage um, and our own walk-in refrigerator. So we'll have more space um, to hold more food, and that will enable us to go to more schools in the district. And then we'll also we'll have the opportunity for kids from other school districts and other schools to come to us for field trips, for example. Well, that would be a cool thing for a school to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So this will really benefit the entire community. Obviously, we'll benefit the kids at Sac City Unified and specifically the kids at Leotata the most because it's on their campus. Um, but it will be open to the whole community. Well, this is Closer Look. I'm Billy Branham talking with Amber Stott with the Food Literacy Center about the program's impact and future plans. Are there any other things that are new on the horizon for the Food Literacy Center? I mean, that's a big one. So we're trying to <laughs> trying to stay focused on that. And um, I think the other big thing we'll celebrate in 2021 is our 10-year anniversary. And so we're very excited that we'll be able to celebrate our next decade uh, looking forward from the offices of our new headquarters and looking out on our, our, our new farm. So we can't wait to celebrate with everyone. What are your ultimate hopes for this program? That it will continue to grow. And whether that is us growing as a nonprofit, us um, continuing to train others across the state, um, and to just see this movement grow. Um, there is some proposed funding in the state budget right now that the governor proposed to begin funding farm to school programs, which has never happened at the state level before. So that's a hope is that, you know, once that level of funding can happen, of course, you can see sustainability farther into the future. So right now, of course, we run off of, you know, small grants and, you know, folks' generosity. So, you know, we're hopeful that money um, will pass and we're hopeful that, you know, in the future, there will be more sustained opportunities to grow programs like ours and others across the state. And Amber, I noticed that your title includes chief food genius. Is there a certain reason for that? Yes, uh, we run an annual Food Literacy Academy, and we train community members to be our instructors, and we call our instructors food geniuses. So I am the chief food genius. <laughs> <laughs> well, what advice would you give parents listening to support their efforts in promoting the healthier lifestyle at home as well? You got to eat those vegetables too. Be a role model. Be excited about them. Um, there, nary should there be a negative word about a vegetable in your house. It should all be from a place of joy and enthusiasm. And never, never use dessert as a reward for eating vegetables because that tells me there's a hierarchy and therefore vegetables should be considered more gross than dessert. So celebrate those vegetables and keep eating them in front of your kids. And, you know, when, when you bite into something, you say, oh, my gosh, this is so good. You've got to try it. Who's going to say no? <laughs> good points. Anything else to discuss that maybe we might have missed? 
Uh, I would just encourage everybody to eat their vegetables. <laughs> and how do people get in contact with you if maybe they want to uh, arrange for you to come into their school or, or do you do something in personal homes or community centers as well? Yeah, we do occasionally. Um, you can hire us to come and do a cooking class for, you know, um, we've done summer camps and, um, you know, other like people might bring us into their office on bring your kid to work day um, and we'll set up a cooking class. So we definitely do those um, for hire. Obviously, we don't do those for free. Um, and so, yeah, all of that information, you can contact us and find us at foodliteracycenter.org. Well, Amber, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Have a watermelon wonderful day. And thanks again to my guest, Amber Stott, founder and CEO of the Food Literacy Center. You can find out more by visiting foodliteracycenter.org. For Closer Look, I'm Billy Branham. This has been Caleb Closer Look. Find us online at caleb.com.